don't know this, then you're behind the times. The only metric that matters is convenience. Rules apply to you. Suddenly you're an advertiser. It's March 2nd and time for your Social and 6 update. Every week, Eve and I will bring you the six most important news stories from the ever-changing landscape. To help you get a grip on what's going on and to give you plenty to talk about in the Social Minds Facebook group. So without further ado, let's get started. Do you see a potential problem here with a complete lack of fact-checking on political advertisements? Well, Congresswoman, I think lying is bad, and I think if you were to run an ad that had a lie, that would be bad. First up, Facebook's COO Sheryl Sandberg has said we can't fact-check political ads. Yeah, exactly that, Eve. Sheryl Sandberg, she did a big interview on the NBC marketing podcast and basically came out with that, said, you know, even if Facebook wanted to, it can't really be an arbiter of truth. It's too much of a job to fact-check political ads, which you kind of have to agree with, you know, with the amount of political ads. It's a kind of departure from their kind of stance on the matter. Mark Zuckerberg sort of, you know, gone on the offensive of politicians and basically said, you know, it's not their fault that people are weaponizing the platform and that the most democratic way of serving these ads is if people can decide fact from fiction themselves. Now, on the back of that, though, and particularly on the back of the Michael Bloomberg scandal where he was uh, paying for content on popular meme accounts, Facebook has said that they will add political tracking onto sponsored political content on Instagram and Facebook so you can see where sponsored content comes from, essentially. This is where I would see the value of LinkedIn stories. Okay, if we had a stories story last week, what can you tell me about LinkedIn? So Uncle LinkedIn has joined the party, finally, only about three years after everyone else. Yeah, yesterday they announced that they are testing LinkedIn stories. Now, LinkedIn's head of content products, Pete Davies, said that LinkedIn basically just wants to meet people where they are and imagines that a company page or an individual might use stories to share key moments from work events or tips and tricks that help us work smarter. You can picture it sort of behind the scenes, corporate situations and offices and such. And a lot of people are giving LinkedIn a really hard time for this. I mean, myself included. Sorry for the uncle insult there. Basically saying they're chasing relevancy, trying to be more like Facebook with their video strategy, like mirroring comments that we heard when they brought out live. But really, I think the platform's just trying to adjust to user expectations because every other platform has stories now. Every other platform has live video. So users expect those features wherever they are. And LinkedIn, I think, is just meeting those expectations so their platform doesn't suddenly become inferior. Maybe my grandkids or even great-grandkids are going to be scrolling through this feed of Matt Koval videos and uh, and checking out my stuff. Next up, YouTube has appointed its first creator liaison. Now, Theo, what is that? Yes, exactly. So, creator liaison, it's essentially a role that sees YouTube as appointing a go-between between the platform and its creators, of which there are about 50 million of them on YouTube. Now, this guy is called Matt Koval. He joined the platform in 2012 as a lead content strategist, and he himself has been a creator uploading videos to YouTube since 2008. So, why have YouTube appointed him? Anybody who knows anything about YouTube will know that their relationship with their creators has often been a bit fractured over the years. YouTube, we know, have been forced to make many decisions that have kind of upset creators. They've been caught a little bit in the crossfire. An example of that is their recent FTC fine, which led them to uh, demonetize child-facing content. And like I say, a lot of creators got caught in the crossfire of that, had to label their videos and stuff. So in his own words, Matt said that it's going to be complicated stuff on both sides. The goal is essentially to help creators understand YouTube and vice versa. Okay, next up, we've had a question. It's come over 
voice clip from Chaz. What's up, Theo and Eve? I love the podcast. Uh, quick question for you guys. So uh, do you guys believe that LinkedIn Sales Navigator has validated that there is another form of lead gen on social media outside of advertising in the form of strategic one-to-one communication? Um, and if so, why do you think more people aren't uh, attempting to organize and streamline those processes? I'll be honest, Chaz, we had to play that one a few times. It does sound a bit cryptic. Um, so if you're thinking the same at home, for those of you who don't know, Sales Navigator um, is a premium version of LinkedIn, which allows you to create content and see information that the average user can't see. Um, it gives you things like their work email, their telephone number, and in-mail, obviously. Now, what I think Chaz is asking here is if we believe that Sales Navigator has given us a way to validate lead generation outside of advertising? And to that, we say absolutely yes. I think he's also asking why more people haven't streamlined this process. And there are actually some challenger companies mirroring LinkedIn's model in the B2B space. So that's not completely off the cards. But if you're asking why Facebook hasn't tried to follow in LinkedIn's footsteps here, I'd say that they have direct messaging for that. But LinkedIn, of course, remains the only platform for strictly professional interactions. Thanks for that, Chaz. We hope that answers your question. Remember, if you want your question answered, send a voice note to the details, which will appear in the show description. Now we'll get back to the stories. You may be a god, but to become legend, you must do battle as mortal heroes. Another story from Facebook here, it's added to its VR acquisition hall. Yes, you may have remembered, Eve, that a few months ago, Facebook acquired a games publisher called Beat Games, who are responsible for the Beat Saber title, which is a very popular game on VR and the Oculus. Now, they've gone back to the well, and they've now got Asgard's Raf and the company behind that, which is called Sanzaru Games. Now, Asgard's Raf is a full-blown sort of RPG game. It's one of the longer games on VR, you know, a role-playing game to those of us outside of the gaming community. Think big maps, think quests, think all that sort of thing. And really, it's kind of indicative of where Facebook sees VR going. We've known for a while that the future is very much in gaming rather than being a more mainstream platform. Facebook, as we've said before, they still want to get 1 billion users in VR. And it looks like their efforts at the moment are very much focused on attracting console and PC gamers back to the Oculus. So essentially, it's a major coup for Facebook's quest. I've slid into a few DMs to test the waters. Okay, Eve, we've got an Instagram story here and it concerns direct messaging. Yes, it does. People have been waiting for this one. Direct messages on Instagram can now be accessed, sent and received on desktop, meaning that community managers everywhere, I'm sure, can take care of their Instagram inbox without looking like they're slacking on their phone. As is common practice with new features, the platform started by testing web DMs on a small group of global users and promises more details on a wider rollout in the near future, so we'll have to wait and see there. The functions are basically the same. You can still create private and group chats, double tapping likes a message, you can share photos, and you can see how many unread messages you have. And you'll be able to receive DM notifications if you have notifications enabled on your browser. If not, you won't be able to. Now, we still haven't had word of how and when Facebook plans to merge its messaging channels, so Instagram Direct, WhatsApp, and Facebook Messenger. But when that day comes, this browser integration could play an important role, if only just to give users some more flexibility with where and how they have conversations. 
Sue, you're shouting at tea. Sue, you're shouting at tea. Sue, you're shouting at tea. You really need to log off Twitter. Right, Yorkshire Tea in the news for starting a movement on Twitter. What is this all about, Eve? Yep, so Sue, you're shouting at tea has become the frontrunner for quote of 2020, I think. Now, it all started when Tory minister Rishi Sunak was pictured with a bag of Yorkshire tea. Twitter users immediately attacked the brand, accusing it of aligning itself politically, bashing it for associating itself with right-wing politics. And that abuse lasted about six days, so nearly a week. And it really laid bare Twitter's toxic side and highlighted the fact that brands on the platform are often damned if they do and damned if they don't. Of course, Yorkshire tea had nothing to do with the photo op. Um, and it can't stop people buying its product, right, regardless of political leaning. So the social media manager behind its Twitter account pointed that out. And bear in mind, they were responding to constant abuse for about a week. But obviously, as the tweet went more and more viral, it received more and more hate. So finally, the social media manager behind it responded directly. So speaking as a person, not as the brand, to say enough is enough, addressed hate on Twitter, said, you know, at the end of the day, we're all human. And the now infamous quote, which trended number one on Twitter all day, came as a response to a Twitter user called Sue, who began tweeting like furiously at Yorkshire Tea and the social media manager behind the tweet simply said Sue you're shouting at tea we're going to mute you now it's quite a funny exchange but quite poignant I think was Yorkshire Tea's tweet reminder um, that there are real people behind brand social media accounts bashing a brand with hate is no more okay than sending hate to a personal account which I think is why it struck a chord with so many Eve, the Facebook fact-checking story obviously isn't anything new, and I know it's something you've covered a bit in the past. Keen to get your thoughts on it. Yeah, I mean, I agree with what you said earlier completely. They're really contradicting themselves as per like what their stance is. I think they should really get that story straight if this is something that they're sticking with. At the moment, I think that like, they're just picking the most convenient excuse at the time. Yeah, I know what you mean, Eve. And I think I missed off a bit of Shel Sandberg's quote in the original story, and she basically said, you know, even if Facebook wanted to, They'd have no way of, you know, fact-checking these political ads, which is, uh, I don't know, you know, we kind of know that there's a bit of a culture of money talks going on there, I think, especially with regards to advertising. Yeah, I just hate the arbiter of truth line. I think that they just know that ads are a better business than truth is. Yeah, I'd have to agree there. All right, that's it. Well, thank you, Chaz, for sending your question in. I hope we answered it all right for you. And thank you to everybody for all the great feedback on Twitter. Honestly, we've been reading all your tweets and it's really great to see that you've been enjoying the new format for these episodes. Yeah, absolutely. And keep that feedback coming in. Also, please keep the questions coming in. You can send your voice notes to our email address. All the details will be in the description for you. Exactly. We'll see you next week. Bye. This has been the Social Minds Podcast with myself, Theo Watts, Eve Young, and produced by Ollie Thompson. Thompson.